0: Thanks for joining me. Now let's dive deep. Hey, okay. guys. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay.
1: <laughs> We're all here. All hands on deck. That was like the fifth. Okay. Okay. okay.
0: okay. Okay.
1: I had said to myself, so there you go. Kyle's
0: having a panic attack about case show. <laughs> yeah. I might have all just cried. It's fine. <laughs> there might be some tears. <laughs> so listen, before we get into anything, I want to give a heads up that the annual Commit to 90 challenge is just on the horizon. Um, We're like in the last dregs of summer, and this thing starts in September, which is next month. So I know. (laughs) Um, So you guys, this is a whole life challenge um, put on by the Hot Yoga Studio in Portsmouth and in Epping. Sarah Curry and Emily McIsaac are my my pals. And it offers unlimited hot yoga and Pilates, weekly nutrition education from me, We're also going to have a ton of workshops and enrichment activities that you can choose from, and then there's a huge prize at the end. So I'm going to link to all the links and all that good stuff in the show notes if you want to learn more information about that. It's a three-month challenge, 90 days. You will change your life. You will change your body. It's awesome. The kickoff meetings are going to be Saturday, September 15th at the Portsmouth Studio and Sunday, September 16th in Epping, but uh, do go to those links to find out more. Info, Kyle. What are you digging right now? I can't wait for you to tell everybody what you're digging in 2018. <laughs> uh, well,
1: Aaron, um, 18 years ago, type in Taibo came out or 19, and I was a huge fan. And I don't know why. I don't know if I saw it somewhere, but like, I ended up finding a um a tybo video on youtube and i am i'm back out it back back at it with billy blanks you um, gotta
0: love the double b it's so so funny but it's such a good workout um i, I used to do so, it in my basement with my mom like back in like seventh yes. grade oh
1: i was like hooked i was a solid like two or three times a week i loved it <laughs> um another so on a less ridiculous note Actually, probably equally as ridiculous. I just put coconut oil in a smoothie for the first time.
0: I no, that's know. not ridiculous. Because I, 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 I,
1: no, I just kept thinking that it was going to turn into chunks the second it hit the other cold ingredients, and that it wouldn't emulsify. I'm so sorry, Dr. Aber, Abernathy, <laughs> our uh, food science instructor. I just. But I took the Blue Ridge hemp coconut oil, CBD coconut oil, chocolate and regular. I've, I've made it a couple times now and it was so good and just another good way to get some fat into your smoothie.
0: I have, I never do that um, for that exact reason. But um, after you told me to do it, I just made Scott a smoothie and it just blended up super seamlessly. I, know. I don't know what I was afraid of all these years. I, same. What are you digging? i am digging the fact that exactly a year ago we recorded our first podcast
1: oh my god
0: isn't that crazy yes it's like sad how quickly a year goes by i think right yeah um and depressing um (laughs) but it's kind of interesting timing because today's episode is going to be all about fear and evaluating fear in our lives and breaking through that fear we didn't plan for it to happen this way, but I think it's neat timing. Just because I had to get a lot over a lot of fear in order to start the show. I know that you did too. Um, kind of the backstory on how this podcast started, since it's like an anniversary episode. I had really wanted to do one for a couple of years. So if any of you guys have taken um, any of my online nutrition programs, you know that I do a lot of recorded stuff. People seem to really respond well to like having a recording to listen to. And so I'm like, I could do, I could do a podcast, right? But then I was so nervous. I kept telling myself that I couldn't do it. I, I like, I wouldn't have enough to say, or I was, honestly, I was just like afraid of it being successful. Um, and then I, I'm not super tech savvy, so I thought that would kind of be an issue with starting a podcast. But I just kind of decided to stop being afraid and go for it. And it took me. Quite a few months of research. I actually just found a, f- a picture in my my phone of like me slaving away at like five a.m. last summer, like <laughs> oh figuring God. out how to start a podcast. Uh, it took a lot of lot of um, research for sure, but ultimately, at like when I was like, "All right, I'm going to launch this thing. I'm going to do it." I kind of realized that I wanted to have somebody with me to just bounce ideas off of and have another voice and have some banter and have somebody to hold me accountable and the first person that I thought of to be my sidekick was was Kyle so I reached out totally not knowing if she was going to say yes because hello she has a full-time job we were in, in school at the time like there was a lot going on but but you said yes you said yes to the dress <laughs> I did. <laughs> um, I had, I, I know I told you this the other night, I had a dream where I committed like a very terrible crime and we were working together at the time and you were just like, we were working at a restaurant, so probably like the worst servers ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God>. um, <laughs> and you were just like, okay, so how can I help? Like, you didn't even like, you weren't even like, well, Aaron, that's probably not a great thing. You were just like, yep, sure. I'm going to just help you cover this crime up. It's like, I just feel like that's just you, you, how you are in friendships and relationships. You just assumed that I was the one in the right and the law was like, Johnny Law was the one in the wrong. Like, of course, of course. Um... And I know we've it also made me think about the time I think we've brought this up on the show before that I was thrown out of our anatomy and physiology lab. <laughs> I don't remember the exact reason why I was probably fired up and like <laughs> saw something I didn't like and had to say it and then you were like arms crossed across like across your chest. You were like, you can't throw her out. If you throw her out, you throw me out. Oh God. Yeah, get out. Okay.
1: (laughs) It's like (laughs) bye. That's fine by me. That's fine by me. I I also didn't like you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's like you just did me a favor. Goodbye. Um but you're just you're just like the most dedicated loyal friend with all the follow through. And I honestly think that you are gonna make the best Practitioner, because like if you're in somebody's corner, you're gonna like be there through and through and through. Even if they commit a crime, you're still gonna you're still gonna help yeah, them out. I'll find a good place to bury the body. <laughs> and I know, like you know this, Kyle. I'm so like weird in particular with who I partner with and who I work with because if I'm gonna work with somebody, I need them to be as equally as committed as I am. And I'm a lunatic, so I think that's kind of a hard, <laughs> hard person to come by, but. Kyle is somebody that consistently shows up despite having a full-time job, despite starting her own business. And the reason that I bring this up is because I think that that quality of showing up is a really overlooked and undervalued quality. Lately, I've been having a lot of people reach out to me. And by lately, I mean like the past year or so, reaching out to ask about starting a business or starting this or starting that, like really just like all about like going into business for yourself. I just did an Instagram rant on it recently. It's in my highlights if you want to go check that out. But that's what I would say to anybody reaching out. Like, how did you, how did you do this? It's, you have to consistently show up and it's even when things get hard and even when you don't want to, you just have to keep showing up. And guys, the show takes a lot of work and a, a lot of time. And I totally understand there's why people start podcasts all the time, but they can't follow through. It's just a lot. And if you find me talking on the show a lot, it's because that it's my show. It's my baby. I dream this up. I put it into action. We just keep showing up, you know, every week or every other week. And Kyle is my trusty co-pilot. and She brings her own spin on things and has a very different conventional background. But that's really important to hear from, you know? Totally. I I guess we just didn't even
1: think to like explain the dynamics of the show before because this is just the way it's always been from the beginning but yeah this is something that Erin thought up put all the work into making this podcast a reality and I was pumped when you asked me if I wanted to be a part of it I definitely couldn't do it with anyone else We're really lucky that we communicate so well, and I can say when I need to scale back or sit an episode out, just as you can tell me when you want to do a solo episode or talk about something that you have a lot more to say about than I do. Um, We just have such different schedules and backgrounds, and we're lucky with the way things are. It
0: it just works for us both, so it's all good. Cheers to a year. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right, so since we're talking about your, you know, loyalty and you showing up for everybody else in your life, um, this past year, you've also started showing up for yourself. Um which is a whole other ball game, right? It's easy to to go to bat for the people that we love. It's a lot harder to go to bat for ourselves. Um so, so we thought this episode would just be a good way to talk about some of that, to talk about our fear, um, and Kyle's going to share some of her backstory with you guys. I want to just post this disclaimer real quick. It does contain some violent content. So if there are any little ears um, listening in, I would suggest turning this off and coming back to it another time because I don't know how appropriate it's going to be for kiddos.
1: Yeah. I'm so nervous, you guys. Um, I, (laughs) I cried just moments ago I am just really really nervous to talk about this so um, what I'm gonna talk about is super personal it is a lot easier to talk about now than in the past but I've never talked about it in such a public way before Um, it's such a huge part of my life and so much of what's made me who I am so I am really laying it all out there for you guys Um, so excuse my my voice. I I feel like it's like shaking. Um, but this is this is my story of how fear has played a big role in my life and how I constantly have to work to overcome it. Um, so when I was eighteen, uh, my brother was murdered. Um, no one was ever charged, and it's still unsolved. At the time, I was really kind of floundering in life. I had done a semester of community college, and I hated it. I was failing. I was in an unhealthy relationship, which ended up becoming a reoccurring theme for me. And I wasn't getting along with my parents. Um, My brother and I had this really special relationship and grew really close the older we got. He was 23 when he was killed, and he was my only sibling it was just a super intense situation on the news reporters at our house articles in the papers detectives interviewing each of us it was crazy immediately after that i dropped out of college um, just worked full-time and shut down Um, looking back on it now i would say i had ptsd i had horrific nightmares for two years after that dreams of being Murdered, attacked, raped, tortured, you name it. Um, Sleep was exhausting. And I was paranoid a lot in the sense that I was just kind of always waiting for the next bad thing to happen. I would have to call my mom on my way home at night so she could watch me from her bedroom window walk the 20 feet from the driveway to the front door because I was petrified to do it alone. Um, After the initial shock wore off, I was just numb and couldn't even really begin to feel the weight of what had just happened. I ended up convincing my parents to let me move to Florida. I said I I was going to go to school down there, but really I just needed to get away from my small town and to go somewhere where I didn't know anyone and people didn't know what happened. Um, It definitely was not easy for them, but they let me go because I think they just knew I, I needed to get away. So I ended up staying down in Florida for a year and a half, um, skipping classes and getting really heavy into drugs and drinking a lot. And I put myself in so many unsafe and risky situations. And I guess I was just testing life at the time to see what else could happen to me. Um, Erin's talked about her eating disorder before on the show and for me. I don't think I had an eating disorder, but I definitely had disordered eating and an unhealthy relationship with food and my body. But it was never really about the food for me or really about my body. Um, All of that stuff was under the umbrella of trauma and feeling so out of control in life that focusing on my body seemed like something I might actually be able to have some control over. I was just looking for ways to get more control and food was an easy target so I popped hydroxycut like it was candy I tried making myself throw up I tried laxatives I bought every exercise infomercial that came on late at night but really between the drugs the drinking the risky situations trying to manipulate the way my body looked I was just trying to find any way to distract myself from dealing with all these intense emotions that I wasn't ready to deal with yet And in the past seven years of seeing patients, I can honestly say that a lot of the time, it's really not about the food. And that was definitely the case for me. Um, Control is something that I've attached my safety to. When I'm in control, or at least when I think I'm in control, I feel safe. When I feel out of control, I feel anxious. But what I've learned is that no matter how much control I feel like I have, it has never made me less of an anxious person. It doesn't make me worry less or feel more relaxed or be more present. So as much as trying to control things is my automatic response to anxiety. I also know it doesn't actually alleviate anything. It's a distraction. It's a way to take my nervous and anxious energy and focus on something else. If anything, The years spent trying to control everything that isn't nailed down only made me more anxious because the answers aren't in having more control. The answers are in letting go of control and learning how to be present because anxiety is worrying about things that haven't happened yet. So you say stay stuck in the future and in the what-ifs rather than staying in the present moment. So for me, trying to control food and my body at that time was just another distraction from what was really going on. Um, Eventually, my parents caught on, not because they knew about my drug use or all the situations I was putting myself in, but because I had like eight jobs in a year and was failing out of school again. So I came home at 21. I started going to therapy and started unpacking all the stuff i had been trying to bury inside and it was really really hard work and it honestly never stops Uh, after that i started working full-time i went back to school nights and weekends i got my associates in business and then i graduated from that school and started a nutrition program at a different school about 10 years after my brother was killed while i was at school with erin I went out to a bar in Boston with a couple girlfriends. I had never been to this place before, and we'd been there for about a half an hour before my friends left to go to the bathroom. Uh, The next thing I remember, I woke up face down on the floor with somebody on my back punching the back of my head. Um, I'd been knocked unconscious and The guy that my friend was dating at the time was there thank god and and pulled this girl off of me and she took off out of the bar before i even got to my feet and my friends came back from the bathroom to see me with a crowd of people around me and my face covered in blood and this girl who i'd never met before had walked up to me and smashed a beer bottle across my face from behind knocking me out instantly I never saw it coming I don't remember anything after seeing my friends go to the bathroom it was just really random so I had to go to the hospital and detectives were there taking pictures of my face and there was no idea of the girl no one was charged and I got no answers again so I had to go back to school on Monday with two black eyes and 15 stitches on my face and it was Truly one of the most embarrassing days of my life. And after that, my nightmares returned with a vengeance. And I think the biggest impact my brother's death had on me was the loss of innocence. That innocent feeling of it can't happen to me was gone in an instant. And once something traumatic happens, whether it's an assault, a a death, a, a horrible breakup, an illness, really anything, it can easily turn into the feeling of just Waiting for the next bad thing to happen because we hear about bad things happening every single day on the news or on social media. So for me to think that it was like just gonna stop with my brother, like that I had hit some quota and and I, I was gonna be good now, it just wasn't possible. So I just kept waiting for the next bad thing to happen, and ten years later, being jumped in a bar just fed into that mentality. Um, Similar to how people must feel when they've finally gotten healthy after a really challenging illness or a diagnosis or even an autoimmune flare, it's just really hard to move on and not carry this anxiety about when the next storm is coming. So why I wanted to share all of this is because I think we all carry trauma and fear from our past. Whatever it is, we all kind of drag this suitcase of our shit behind us at all times, our our baggage. And if we're not always working to unpack that baggage then it just continues to accumulate as life goes on and it gets heavier and heavier until it starts to slow us down we don't do things we want to we stay in situations we're unhappy in because we're used to feeling that way or we're scared to change or We're scared of the uncomfortable feelings that making a change will bring up. We're scared of failing, of getting hurt. We think we don't deserve more. And if you let it, we use this fear to create boundaries around us, trying to keep us protected. But really, it keeps us from being happy and doing the things we want to do. This fear keeps us from feeling free and being able to be present in the moment.
0: Yeah that was obviously a lot um i think i what you just said reminds me of joseph campbell um when he said follow your bliss but it's so hard to chase bliss when we're stuck in this paradigm of fear and obviously Kyle your fear is there for a reason um but it's i think it's when it like runs a little bit rampant and dictates the the pace of your life is when we need to really examine it um you know fear is there for a reason it keeps us safe it serves a purpose and so i think it's important to acknowledge that um and even thank your fear for showing up um it's not like it's not like it's trying to do a bad thing it's really just trying to keep you safe but you know it can also keep us from being happy and keep us from feeling truly invested in our lives Um, it really, when you said waiting for the next best thing or next bad thing to happen, I think so many people can relate to that feeling of like, just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Um, you know, I've talked about getting neurofeedback before. Maybe I have, maybe I haven't. I get neurofeedback and the guy that, that does it, uh, Ray McGardy. Um, so it's McGardy and associates in Dover, New Hampshire, just if anyone's looking for it um he also does a lot of talk therapy so i did a session with him and he in that one session he gave me the word catastrophize which i had never heard before but he's like you seem to catastrophize things and i was like oh my god i need to run home and tell my husband this because it explains so much but it's exactly <laughs> it's exactly what i do it's like i plan for the worst case scenario and i think in my head if i plan for the worst case scenario I'm never going to be caught off guard and I think this is you were talking about your control I think this is where a lot of my control issues come from I try to control the outcome because like the little me inside needs to know what to expect because the real little Aaron didn't know what to expect right there wasn't as much structure or stability as I needed in my childhood and so I needed to like know what was coming um and I th- we see this a lot with trauma, um, or if, if somebody grew up in an alcoholic household, or just if there's this lack of stability in in childhood, um, it's like I'm not going to be caught off guard one more time, so I'm going to shield myself against surprises by preparing myself for the worst. Um, and it makes me think of something. One of the very first conversations Kyle that you and I had at school, we were. I don't even know what we were talking about, but you said, my life has never been sugarcoated, so why should I sugarcoat it for someone else? And it's like we we build up these barriers around ourselves, but we only put them in place to keep ourselves safe. We we all have difficult things that happen to us. It's It's part of the human experience. And when we try to survive a hard event, we create a belief to try to make sense of it. You know, if you have a parent that left, we create beliefs like around that, that hard thing happening. We decide something about ourselves. We decide something about the world or about other people within the world around us in order to integrate and make sense of that, that hard time or that difficult event. And it's a survival mechanism. That's what, you know, fear is. It's, it's there to keep us safe and alive, but it's, oftentimes these beliefs that we develop are an untruth. So these beliefs are built on a misunderstanding. We simply misinterpret something along the way. And if we don't do anything with it, right, if that fear just runs rampant, if we don't do anything with it, it moves from being a conscious thought to an unconscious thought. And it's the unconscious that's the place where we make most of our decisions from. That's where we are most of the time. So it's like we're living our lives according to these misunderstandings, to according to these false beliefs or these untruths, and it takes us away from the truth of who we are. And so part of the work that I'm currently doing in my own internship with Jessica Flanagan is to examine my beliefs and my fears and really evaluate where they might have come from. and It's clearing up that junk, those misunderstandings, those beliefs that we make up in order to help us survive, clearing all that stuff. It's such powerful and healing work. And you know, this is a show about health and nutrition, but guys, you can't just eat a bunch of kale and broccoli and pop like vitamin C pills and expect yourself to be healthy. Like the foundation is like all this stuff that we're talking about. Like this is the stuff that that nobody wants to look at, right? We would rather just do a diet or like, take a pill and have all of everything be better and like feel good. But it's like all the stuff that we're talking about on today's show is like the real nectar. It's like the real thing that that you need. Um and I wanna be clear, it's not like you know, it's not about getting trapped with a victim mentality, because I think that's an easy thing to slip into. It's it's not like, oh I had a hard thing happen to me. This is why I am the way I am poor me nothing will ever change but it's more so like helping ourselves understand ourselves better so it's like validating myself in a lot of ways like oh i'm this way for an actual reason and it gives me an entry point to explore and also a potential way out of the pain because if i can see it if i can recognize it i can start to change it um and so i Kyle i know that you've been hard at work unpacking your suitcase, your luggage of fear um, and all of your self-doubts and all of those beliefs this year. And honestly, as you know, I'm not just blowing smoke, I've known you for a decade. This has been such a huge year for you. I've just like seen so much change in you. You know, it's like it's like the butterfly, you know, coming out of the cocoon. 100 percent. 100
1: percent. It has been huge. And exactly to your point. This isn't a victim story. I believe that there is so much power in telling your story and this is a huge part of my story. And the more I talk about it, the more I share, the more insight I gain and the better I can make sense of all the ways that this has impacted me. And then I take that awareness and decide, okay, what am I doing that's serving me? And what am I doing that's holding me back? And this past year, I've been able to see all these new ways that fear has played a role in my life. And I started to challenge these boundaries that I created myself around myself um, because of those fears. So I've always liked doing things by myself. That's how I recharge my batteries, by doing things like going to the movies or going out to dinner or drinks by myself. But I've been upping the ante. I'm living alone for the first time which I never could have done before. I'm going to big concerts by myself, I'm planning solo trips, I'm going out for a lot of walks around town and each one feels like a mini victory. But I still have a ton of fear. It's rare for me to do something alone without imagining the worst case scenario and there are still things I am not ready to do. But I'm trying to push myself out of my comfort zone and push through the fear because I know with every ounce of me, I know the only way out is through. The only way I can get past the fear is by confronting it, not burying it, not avoiding it or distracting myself from it. And I I wish I could say my fear was contained to just my brother or me getting jumped. But over the past year, I I noticed it's been a theme in a lot of areas in my life, relationships being one of them. I always thought of myself as a strong person because I made it through a lot. But fear has had a huge impact on my ability to have a healthy relationship. And once again, my need to control was at play here. If I could control this part of my life and make this relationship work and ignore all the red flags and gut feelings and just lock it down, then I don't have to worry about this aspect of my life anymore. And I'll be able to put all my energy back into, you know, catastrophizing, or, you know, worrying about when the next bad thing is going to hit because I had this internal need to lock things down. I bounced from one long-term relationship to the next and had a fear of creating boundaries within my relationships, especially within my marriage. And when I'd try to create boundaries, I wouldn't follow through with them because of fear. Fear of actually having to do something when those boundaries are crossed. Fear of admitting that I wasn't happy, that things had gotten really bad that I wasn't with the right person, the fear of starting over, the fear of leaving, of admitting that I'd found myself in situations I never imagined I would be in. So I stayed in unhealthy relationships so much longer than I ever should have, all because of fear. Because the easy part is creating boundaries. The hard part is actually following through with them.
0: Um. I, the whole relationship thing is huge. I think so many people stay in relationships that don't work because they're so afraid of what's on the other side. I mean, particularly a marriage, like yeah. how much how much balls does it take to leave a marriage? Um, you mentioned the B word quite a bit. So let's talk more about boundaries because you're right. The follow through is the really hard part. Um, it's all fine and good. To like set them, uh, but this is one of the questions I had put it out there on the on the gram on the social media, um, and people wanted to know wanted to hear from us specific examples of how we have set boundaries. So, uh, do you feel comfortable talking specifically how you've set them and followed through with them?
1: Yeah I mean the biggest thing for me is telling people Um, when things got really bad and I couldn't keep covering it up or making excuses and I couldn't keep the secret anymore I told all of my closest friends all at once and I did this because I knew once I put it out there and I told people what was really happening that I would have to draw some hard lines in the sand and really stick to them but now I had all these people around me holding me accountable um, so that was huge and It really wasn't long after finally being honest with everyone about how I was feeling that I finally had the courage to stick to my guns and leave because I knew it would mean walking away from the life I had built and starting all over again. So it was going to be complicated and messy and painful. But once I let people in, I had this incredible support system around me of people who were showing up for me and... And it was really fueling me to stay the course and just take it one day at a time. And I couldn't have done that on my own. So I would say if you feel like you create boundaries and have a hard time sticking to them, tell people close to you what's going on. It's like having an accountability partner to gently remind you of what you said you would do the next time it happens.
0: Gently or you know, maybe not so gently, depending on the person. Um- All right. So another question that came up um, when we put out a call for boundary questions, and this is you know totally different that was more relation setting relation uh, boundaries and relationships but um this is interestingly one of the questions that i get asked a lot about uh it's advice on eating outside the home or eating in social situations eating with your friends eating with family members when you have food sensitivities um, or a limited diet or you're trying to change the way you eat like where do you draw the line and how do you interact with people it's so funny because it this question just reveals such a, a deep truth about people that we're so afraid of being a nuisance or feeling different or being seen as high maintenance that um, <laughs> that we are afraid to kind of set boundaries or hold our ground about something as simple as food. And so my personal answer is I eat the same way out of my home and with people that I do at home. Um, I announced I was becoming a vegetarian at age 10. I was basically just like, I'm gonna start eating differently than all of you and I don't really care what you have to say about it. So um, I've had a lot of practice with maintaining this boundary in my life around food. Um, And I don't really know, um, you know really how to give advice on that outside of saying like, just do what's right for you and don't worry about don't worry about offending other people. Um, you know so that one is particularly easy for me, but there are certainly other things that have come up that are harder for me like saying no, right That's a big one saying no to certain social or family engagements or saying no to other things. but I know that when I overextend myself, I get run down and when I get run down, I don't feel well. Uh, and honestly, guys, I felt so bad for so long that I want to capitalize on feeling good and I'm not willing to do something that could negatively impact my health just to make somebody else feel more comfortable. And so that is perhaps the biggest gift my illness have, has given me. It's the willingness and the strength and the motivation to put myself first, even, even if it could potentially upset uh, upset somebody that that I personally care about. Um It's, you know, we're all for self-care when it looks a certain way, right? We're all for supporting other women in taking care of themselves like when it looks a certain way. So like when it's a consumable product that we're all all told we're supposed to want. So like we're all for self-care if it fits a certain mold like an Epsom salt soak or a $45 candle or a bottle of rosé all day, but when we have to do something that's messy or hard or make someone else uncomfortable there's like less space for that right we we give ourselves less grace for that we're like yeah we'll do we'll do the self care that's instagrammable but the real self care is oftentimes really messy and sloppy and i know i've talked about this on the show a bunch before but it's like doing the hard shit. It's looking at those misunderstandings, those beliefs. It's looking at the fears, all that stuff we were talking about earlier and maybe forgiving ourselves for having them. Loving ourselves enough to forgive ourselves, to let ourselves off the freaking hook for once. I talk a lot about giving ourselves grace and this is what I mean by it, being able to forgive ourselves. You know, sometimes self-care is crying and snotting and having messy emotions all over the place, unearthing and digging and like picking up stuff from the roots. That shit is hard work. Self-care is sometimes looking at someone you love and saying, I can't do this for you because it's not right for me. Self-care is saying no to something that you maybe want to do, but that you know it's not right for you right now. Self-love, self-care Self respect, self compassion. It's not easy work. It's not easy for anybody. I was talking once about how I chose to say, how I choose to say no relatively frequently. Um, And somebody said to me, Well, it's easy for you. Like, no, it's not. It's freaking not. Okay. That's the secret. It is not easy for me. I might be more of a voice piece. I might be more direct. I might be able to say things louder than the person next to me, but it's not easy for me. It's not easy for anyone. But is it necessary for self-preservation? Yeah, you betcha. So talking about boundaries, in my opinion, self-care is setting boundaries and holding boundaries however you need to do that. And I think the reason that it's so hard, like Kyle said, it it is hard to do. It's because in order to set and hold boundaries, you have to overcome fear. It's like the fear of pit pissing people off, the fear of people th- uh, thinking of people thinking that you're a bitch, like the fear of doing it and then life being harder on the other side. Every single time I go to stand up for myself, it triggers real fear because historically, women weren't really allowed to speak up for themselves, right? I mean, we were literally burned at the cross for doing so. And in some cultures, it's still very unsafe. So there's this this real feeling of unsafety every time I stand up for myself, this real fear that I have to overcome to do so, whether that's creating boundaries in relationships, in my family, in my business, or otherwise.
1: I feel like boundaries is like the key word for you over the past year or two. You have had to really make peace with the fear around setting boundaries in your business. And it hasn't always been easy.
0: Yeah, I know it's, I've been tested quite a bit over the past like year to two years, I would say specifically with like with business. Um, there was a situation where my IP was used without my permission. And this is kind of like the thing that started it all. (laughs) This started my boundary setting bonanza. Um, and I had to approach someone who I respected deeply and had a very long-standing relationship with, and it did not go well. Um, it was an awful situation, but as awful as it was, it it taught me that the worst-case scenario can happen. And you know, like you know, you were talking before about anxiety and like kind of future tripping and. Try, like just trying to like live in the future and control all the outcomes, and we all get anxious about stuff. And when like we run through all the horrible ways that it can play out, so in this this <laughs> this particular situation, the worst case scenario did actually happen, and I was fine. You know, it sucked, but I got through it, and I was fine. And I felt that I maintained my integrity, which is really important. Um, because if looking back and still like 2 years later looking back if i had to do it all over again i would have i would have done it the exact same way i would just keep doing the same thing over and over again so yeah it was crappy but it taught me a lot about staying true to myself even if that means severing a relationship you know it's like doing the thing that's right for me even if it pisses somebody else off i think as women in this culture we're taught to play small And setting boundaries is not playing small. It's saying, I acknowledge my own self worth and I ask for what I need. And people will try to make you feel like you're high maintenance or you're egotistical or you're a bitch. But honestly, at this point in my life, I'm less interested in being nice than I am in standing up for myself. And I, I, you know, don't confuse my directness with being unkind because in my heart of hearts, I am a very kind person but also don't assume that my goal in life is to try to make you feel more uncomfortable because it's not.
1: Yes, and I also think as women in this culture, we're we're taught to put other people first, their needs and their feelings. We have to be the caregiver, the fixer, the support, but the biggest way I've practiced self-care is by making myself the most important person in my life. and. It takes a lot of work to ignore the messages out there that
0: make that act seem like a selfish or a wrong thing. Yeah, particularly when you have a man telling you otherwise. Yep. Moving on from that. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> we'll just leave that there. Just got to leave that gem there in case there's any <laughs> listening in ears. Um, all right, so another thing that I continue continuously deal with um, And i'm gonna bring this up this is specifically in my business because we did we did get questions about like how do you set boundaries in business um and so i know that we have other business owners that listen to the show and i'm sure you guys can all relate but um i i get asked to work for free a lot um and i don't think people necessarily understand that that's what they're doing when they're doing it but it's that's what it is Um, so whether it's someone asking me out to coffee to quote-unquote pick my brain about nutrition or if it's somebody asking me to come speak to a group of people about health and nutrition without paying me um, it's really hard for me to say no to these things um, because I don't want people thinking that I'm a horrible person and of course I want to help as many people as I can but I simply don't have the bandwidth for it. I am trying to run a full-time business on less than 20 hours of childcare, okay? So that is my reality. So if I say yes to you, something else in my life is going to suffer, whether that's my health, my sanity, family time, something else will suffer. So I've had to practice saying things like, and it's taken a lot of time A lot of time, a lot of reaching out to my friends to be like, how does this sound? How does this sound? A lot of boxes. A lot lot of of boxes. boxes. (laughs) But kind of what I've settled on is saying things like, you're more than welcome to set up an appointment during my office hours, okay? Or I don't have time for pro bono work right now, but you're more than welcome to share my podcast with your audience. It is a free resource. And right now, that's the best way that I can bring their attention to the fact that they are, in fact, asking me to work for free. Because again, some people truly don't understand. Like no one's doing this with ill intent. Um, But it's also establishing my boundaries. And it's saying like, look, I can't and I won't do this. Um, at first it was really clunky and I over explained myself way too much. I think as, as women, we have the, um, you know, the tendency to do that, to like explain why we're saying no. Um, but it does get easier and easier and less scary the more, the more that you do it. But it's still hard, man. It's still hard and it's scary every time I have to say it's awkward. You know, it is, um, but since we're talking about business and people wanted to hear more about the the whole work and career thing, Kyle, you've had to tackle some fear in your workspace lately. So, can you talk a little bit more about that? So much fear, um, <laughs> so much fear. When I well, went it's like to school, it's cool because it's yeah. like you're talking about like where the fear originated from, and then it's like it's peppering into every single facet of your life. And not while not everybody experience the the violence and the trauma that you have, every single person can relate to all the stuff that we're saying. Because we let fear govern everything. So Yeah, and and the crazy thing is is I had no
1: idea until this past year. Like if I had not been doing the work, the therapy, the talking, the the really sitting with stuff, really like making connections. Cause for me, I'm a verbal processor. So the more I talk about it, the more I'm like, whoa, and I'm able to make these connections. I never ever saw that I had this much fear. Um, oh, it's so crazy. It's so, cr- and now that I see it, it's like, oh my God, this is just like, it just, it's so clear. Um, so when I went back to school, a couple years ago to study functional medicine, I did it because I couldn't see myself being happy in a hospital setting for the long haul. I knew I wanted to have my own business and just to be able to practice the way I believe in and have the time and space to be able to do that kind of work with clients, but there is so much fear around this. Fear of not having control, leaving the security of a full time job where I'm comfortable and secure and I can rely on making the same amount of money every two weeks, but then also the fear of not being enough. Um, Years of doing bad and struggling in school when I was young had me telling myself it was because I wasn't smart enough when really I just wasn't interested in any of it. but that's how I protected myself, by telling myself I wasn't smart enough to do more because I was scared to actually try to do more and fail. So it's really just limiting beliefs. And what I learned is that it's all kind of what you decide to focus on. Do I focus on my struggles in the past or do I focus on my achievements? And it's about recognizing when you're using limiting beliefs in an attempt to protect yourself from taking the chance to go after what you really want. And what I know for sure is that not being in control and having fear, it's just the way life is. If I stay in the safe job, stay in the bad relationships, stay away from situations that scare me, is that really living? And on the flip side, if I go for the job I want, if I don't settle in relationships, I do things that scare me, what's the worst that can happen? I mean, a lot, a lot, a lot can always happen. But I can't control most of it. And every single time something has failed in the past, I've walked away with lessons I never would have been able to learn otherwise. So in the long run, it feels like I gained something instead of failed at something. Even when it comes to my brother, I can use what happened as an excuse to play it safe. But screw that. Instead, I carry around this constant reminder, this badge of honor that I've been through hell and came out on the other side. And no matter what's in store for me down the road, I'll handle it as it comes and survive just like I have in the past. Fear is always going to have a seat at my table. The goal is not to live a life without fear but I can't allow fear to be at the head of the table calling all the shots, telling me what I can and can't do. Um, There are a lot of people out there with stories that are so much worse than mine, but I hope that by sharing my story and being honest about how some of my, like, how much fear I have and how I'm trying to challenge myself I hope it will help someone else be honest about how much fear is controlling their life and their decisions and and I'm trying and also it's about how trying to control everything around you doesn't actually solve anything or make you a happier person so ask yourself what you're scared of doing and then really explore that what um. What write in a journal, talk to friends or family or a therapist, meditate, be in nature, whatever helps you get in that headspace. Think about what you could gain by doing something that scares you. Um, something that you really want to do, but that you're scared to do, what kind of an impact would it have on your life? How is your fear holding you back? How is your need to control things preventing you from living in the present? And what boundaries do you need to create and how are you gonna be able to value yourself enough to follow
0: through with them? Yeah, dude, all of those questions. It's heavy stuff. It's well, <laughs> it's they're all questions that I had to ask myself this year, too. Um, they de- they definitely resonate with me. Because um, I had to sit with them all this year. And it sucks. It's, it's not easy work, like we keep saying. Um, but I had to be r- really super honest with myself where my fear was holding me back in terms of my my body and um, in getting sick. I know that I've spoken about it on the show before in the summer of 2014, right after I had my daughter, I started to feel really sick um, and I thought I was crazy and I thought it was like my fault. And oh my God, I'm getting emotional. I'm just getting choked up now thinking about it. Um, there's something weird going on with the energy of this episode. Um, yes. So <laughs> I <it's> like, <laughs> uh, so a year later, After I basically bulldozed my way through doctor's offices, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease and thrown into the mix were significant adrenal, thyroid, and digestive issues. So I was a wreck. I was an emotional wreck. I was a physical wreck. I was exhausted. I didn't sleep. Um, My kid didn't sleep until she turned two. I had absolutely lost my lust for life and I didn't when I was like in that place I was like I don't even know if I could get it back like I was so physic- un- physically unwell but I was also like really, really anxious and really pretty depressed. Um, I call it the dark place, <laughs> it's one of the reasons honestly if I'm being super honest it's one of the the biggest reasons that I don't want to have another child because I'm so absolutely terrified of going back to that dark place. Um, I don't think many people in my life know just how bad it was, but there's some real PTSD around that time and the, my healing journey has been a long one and I've talked about many different parts of it on the show. I'm really open about it because my hope is that like in talking about my experience, other people can glean tidbits to like help them with theirs, um, but I had to set a lot of boundaries for myself around my health, saying no, going to bed at certain times, having certain food restrictions, not traveling a lot, not doing much socially. Uh, people didn't understand it, and I just had to be with okay with people not understanding what I was going through. Um, but I also, at the same time, got Very controlling around my health. And even as I started getting better, I was locked in this prison of fear because I was so afraid of getting sick again. And I think that's something that I realized recently the distinction between boundaries and control. For me, control is always created out of fear, whereas boundaries are created out of self respect and something I'm doing to take care of myself. Um, So this summer, I would say I really, this this past winter and spring, I, I noticed how this fear was showing up and how it was holding me back, quite frankly. And so this spring and summer has been a real practice in trying to give up some of that control while still maintaining my boundaries. Um to, to give an example, we traveled around a lot this summer, and I was like, all right, I'm not going to micromanage everything. I'm going to be more relaxed about certain things. I let my husband do the grocery shopping for one of our camping trips, which might not sound like a big deal, but to me it is. Um, I was a little bit la- more lax about my sleep, um, start having cocktails, eating out, um, but I was also I also did what I had to do to take care of myself. Like I would carve out alone time. Um, I would make space for myself. So I was really trying to strike the balance um, because fear – in trying to control the fear has really kept me sidelined from many activities that i used to enjoy like specifically different types of exercise i would think to myself oh my body can't handle certain things this could trigger a flare this could make me feel unwell for a really long time Um, i could get sick again You guys know we've had Dr. Kristen Zames, a physical therapist, on the show before, and she treats me, and she has for a couple of years now, at least a year. Um, And something she said and she helped me realize has really shaped how I approached overcoming the fear of getting sick. I'll share a quote that she gave me. When you believe your body is not resilient, that is a fearful state. When you are in a fearful state, your brain automatically goes on defense your body begins to protect. Your whole system goes into that fight or flight response and your movement patterns and muscle response changes. So when I was living in, in this fear of like thinking my body wasn't resilient, it was almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy because I would get hurt and I would get sick more often because my body was just like locked into fight or flight. Um, so with her help, I started to challenge myself and test my resiliency despite the fear. Like Kyle, like you said, it's like the fear is always going to be there. It's always going to have a seat at the table. It's just about making sure it is not running the show. It is not sitting at the head of the table and reminding myself over and over again, the fear is here for a reason. It's trying to keep me safe and like respecting that and soothing the piece of me that's really scared by, well, at the same time, not letting it run my life. Um, so I, I think I might have mentioned this before on the show, but there were, we, we recently, my husband and I uh, a couple of months ago climbed a, a decent mountain, and I would not have let myself do it earlier because I told myself I couldn't handle it physically. The night before we, we went for that hike, I had a full blown panic attack. I was I couldn't sleep. I was like, "I can't do this. My body can't handle this." I, so I felt that fear, and then I chose to do it anyway. Um, and that was one of the ways that I really taught myself, look, I can do this. Um, and in doing more in like pushing myself outside of my comfort zone, I'm providing evidence to myself that my body is in fact resilient and I'm not fragile and I'm not weak and I can bounce back from things. Um, so, you know. I think we can all attach ourselves to our pain points, whether that's physical pain or a diagnosis that limits us or it's emotional pain or trauma, and our identity can really become wrapped up in those pain points. We can get so attached to our stories, to our beliefs, to our fears, and they can limit us. Um, So I think that what this episode is about is showcasing ways that we've poked the fear bear so to speak and it is really scary um but it is also extraordinarily freeing on the other side um so that's kind of all i have to say about that
1: Whew! this was a this was a big one would love to hear your feedback so yeah yeah maybe 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 not
0: (laughs) maybe not if it's (laughs) nice feedback
1: because honestly we both we both basically cried in this episode so take it easy on
0: us gentle feedback gentle feedback oh shoot I'm supposed to make an announcement of who won our, um, our, uh, Oh, the comment, the, the giveaway. Thing. Yeah. Okay. So hang on, let me find it. Um, do you want to say anything else? do you want to perform like a circus bear (laughs) i guess i'm gonna have to Um, okay i have a question for you while i look up the winner um all right so so we talked about busting through fear and like evaluating our fear and evaluating limit limiting beliefs what would you say for somebody that's like all right where do i start like how do i start to do this what have been like the three biggest things that have been really helpful for you you can take your time (laughs) I would say, I would say, like just make a wish
1: list. Like make a wish list of like what you, like like what you would dream of doing, and then, and then figure out like what do you think is standing in your way. And I felt like for me, most of the things weren't actually obstacles. They were they were all just stuff that I needed to like
0: work to get over. Um, you know what? That's such a good point because for so long I thought that like I love what you said like so I thought that my obstacle was my health like oh this this autoimmune disease is the reason that I can't do anything it's a thing that's holding me back and when I really spun that on its head I realized that was not true that was an untruth because look at what I've been able to accomplish in the past three years with an autoimmune disease it's like I'm a freaking badass and I get shit done and like I maybe the autoimmune disease was given to me in order to show me that
1: I completely agree had I had I not made the decision to leave my marriage and I mean like I'm in I'm in a state where I don't have family here so I mean it was just I truly had to start over all on my own and I have never felt I've never felt this way in my entire life and it's because I I I did what I knew I needed to do, but was so freaking scared to do it. And I wouldn't have felt the way that I do now if I if I didn't just take the leap. So you just kind of have to, the only way out is through.
0: And just trust. Trust yep. in your life. Yes. Okay. So with that, we have a winner. So this week I'm giving away um, a beauty counter- long-lasting lipstick they really are long lasting they're awesome and it's in the color first date which is just a very f- pretty flattering color and that is going to n quib n as in Nancy I don't know if that's if it's really Nancy but like n quib so n quib send me an email at Aaron erin at aaronholthealth.com and what, if you don't know what this is about we're give, um randomly choosing um, somebody to give things to for free also known as a giveaway i'm super <laughs> awkward right now this is basically <laughs> give things to for free okay so what you need to do is go onto itunes leave us a review a written review and also a star rating and bunch if you, a, a bunch, bunch of stars give us a bunch of stars and then i'm going we're going to go through every podcast from here until october we're going to go through and uh, randomly select a winner to give you like a free item and that's that. It's Go called leave a a review. It's called a giveaway. <laughs> some, in some cultures, it's referred to as a giveaway. <laughs> Not here, though. No, 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 no. Not here. I need to make it as wordy as possible. All right. So that's it. Goodbye. Uh, Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you'd like to submit a question to the show, fill out the contact form at erinholthealth.com. If you got something from today's show, don't forget, subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Take care of you.